This is the podcast for Hill Country Baptist Church in Junction, Texas. Today's sermon is from Luke chapter 24. The title is The Purpose of the Scriptures. As we continue through the year of biblical literacy, today's message focuses on the purpose that God wants to accomplish in our understanding and studying of the Word of God. Hope you enjoy. All right. Well, I'm glad to be with you again this morning. Um, I don't have a microphone on me. Can y'all hear me? Okay. Pretty good. Okay. I didn't figure you needed me to have a microphone on me. So if you will, take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. Uh, So we are uh, going through the year of biblical literacy. And just to kind of get us started this morning, as uh, it's still an introduction um, in our Sunday school time, we're getting into the small group material that goes along with our study and in the daily reading, um, if we started, I started on January the 5th. I think I, that's when I challenge everyone else to try to start um, by that day. And so if you're on schedule, we have finished with Genesis 45 today. And so we've already gone through m- m- most of the book of Genesis and we'll be in Exodus 15 by next Sunday. And so um, it's just, we, I know that it's challenging to, to, to make that daily commitment to read more than one chapter, three chapters sometimes each day, but it does pay off in the end. And so I've learned a lot and been able to relearn some things and rediscover some things throughout the last couple of weeks. And I hope that you uh, will make the time to do that also. In the next few weeks, I'll be um, kind of still kind of introducing this series. And then by, by next month and then in a couple of weeks from now, um, we'll, I'll jump into the text where kind of we are in the reading um, and kind of talk about some of the stories in the Old Testament, and then by the middle of the year, we should be finally in the New Testament. So we're going to move fast, um, and so we've got a lot of themes to cover. Don't forget about the Bible Project videos that go along with it. You can find them on YouTube, and, and so if you're, if you're on track, uh, tomorrow we'll be watching the video called The Messiah. Um, if you don't have the app on your phone, you can access that on YouTube to go along with tomorrow's reading, and so I just want to invite you to do that. So the year of biblical literacy is not original to me. Um, I first learned about it in 2016, I think, um, through a church called Reality Church in San Francisco and the pastor by the name of Dave Lomas. And then also another pastor by the name of Tim Mackey. And I'm going to talk about them here in a second. But they, they took their church through this journey of, of, of going through all the scripture. And so they made their, all their, um, their teachings and their reading plans and their small group material available for free on their website. And so I'm kind of basing this journey off of that. And so that's where this image comes from. I didn't make this. But uh, kind of to go along with that, I want to give you some, some resources that I think would be, would be very beneficial to you. I know that not everyone has a whole lot of free time. Uh, not everyone uses technology the way that I do or that we do in our, in our household, but you can get online and find these. So Reality Church San Francisco and Dave Lomas, they have a website. They also have a podcast on Spotify, iTunes, everywhere you can find that. And so if you go through them, you can find some links to some of the, the teachings and lectures and stuff that they had back in 2016. And then also another one of our favorites is uh, the Exploring My Strange Bible podcast from Tim Mackey and where he kind of just talks. I mean, he, he's put all of his sermons um, from from beginning to end on his podcast. You can go back through and listen to lots of different teachings on lots of different topics and scriptures. And so I'll be referring a lot this year to these two. And, uh, and so pulling a lot of their quotes and a lot of their, um, a lot of their teachings. And, and so a lot of their teachings have influenced my understanding of scripture over the years. And so I just want to give th- these guys as a recommendation to go along with what we're doing here in our church. I'm a big fan of 
these two Bible teachers, um, plus a lot of others, but these two in particular. And I think that you can learn a lot from them also. So, um, so be sure to look those up if you get a chance. So we're going to be in Luke 24. And our, our theme today is the purpose of the scriptures. Um, so I don't know how, how you are. Are you typically the kind of person who reads the instruction manuals to things? Or do you just toss those aside and not and just try to wing it? Okay, so I am a notorious hoarder of instruction manuals. Okay, and almost every drawer in my house, and in closets, and in baskets, and under the bed, and everywhere you can find them, I have instruction booklets for everything you can imagine. All right, from from things that are that we had years and years ago. All right, um, so so video games and TVs and and gadgets and kids' toys and furniture that we've put together from stores and everything you can think of. I for some reason have this bad habit of keeping the instruction booklet. All right. And I know that I'll never use it again. But in the back of my mind, it's like, but you never know. Right. Like, what if something happens and I have to know how to how to rebuild this thing or how to take it apart and put it back together or whatever. Uh, And you never know when it might come in handy again. And so I have I know it's a problem. And I know that part of the mess in our closet is my fault because I keep all those things that for things that we don't even own anymore. All right. But, you know, the reason why I keep those instruction manuals is not just because, like, they're my favorite type of literature. Like, I just sit around at night reading the latest instruction manual or just pull one out of the, off of the shelf, right? Like, it's not fun stuff to read, especially if you get them from Ikea and they're, like, in weird languages and things like that. But you don't keep them because they're enjoyable, right? You don't keep them because you just have like a love for instruction manuals and you just love all the designs and you love the, and they have cool stories. They don't have cool stories, right? Like they're just, they're, they serve a purpose and that's it, right? And so you keep them and, and maybe you use, maybe you use them, maybe you don't for a singular purpose. And once you have put together the thing, it doesn't have a purpose anymore. Like I should remember that. I should throw them away, right? Um, and so Instruction manuals are just that. They're just basic. They're, they're for a purpose. You use them once. They no longer have a purpose. You have to get rid of them. They should mean nothing to you, right? You're not going to find people that are just like instruction manual aficionados, and they're just in love with those things, right? So the Bible is not like that at all. And yet a lot of people, I think, have this tendency to see the Bible as an instruction manual. In fact, you've probably heard that 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 B-I-B-L-E stands for basic instructions before leaving earth, right? And I've always had a problem with that. It's cute. It it flows. It fits, right? B-I-B-L-E, it makes sense. But it's, it's so much more than just basic instructions. Because the problem is when you begin to see the Bible as an instruction manual, you begin to lose your heart for it. You lose your passion for it. You don't have any affection or love for it. You see it as just something that just serves a purpose, right? It gets you by. And maybe, maybe the only purpose that you can imagine for it is it, it gives you enough to get saved. And then after that, it just takes up residence on your shelf with all the other instruction manuals, right? There are a lot of people who treat the Bible like that. You might go into their house and they might say, yeah, I've, I've got a Bible around here somewhere. And it's collecting dust in a closet or it's under the bed or it's sitting in the backseat of their car and they don't use it for anything, right? Because to them, it served a purpose it gave me what I needed to get through Sunday school or to, to help me to know what the preacher was saying on Sunday or to get me saved and give me that basic knowledge, but I don't really have a love for it. I kind of see it as one of those instruction manuals in my closet, right? It tells me some basic info, but it's not really meaningful beyond that. 
But then the other thing is that when you see it as just an instruction book or, or basic instructions before leaving earth, all you see it is just as, you see it as a list of things to do in order to be who God wants you to be or in order to have the life that God wants you to have. But then you end up seeing it as just a rule book, right? And the Bible is not to be seen as just a rule book. It's not to be seen as just this, this, this list of instructions for us to follow if we want to be good people. That's, that's what religion is all about, right? Do this and do that and be a good person and make God happy. And Christianity is not supposed to be built on that. And so the Bible is not a book of instructions. It isn't a step-by-step process for how to be you know, right in God's eyes. It's more than just you know, instructions that, for how to live a good, holy life. It's, it's so much more than that, right? It's, it's a book that's full of stories that are rich with, with power and, and, and the affection and heart of God, right? So, so as a piece of literature, it's the most important piece of literature in the history of the world, right? It isn't just a storybook. It doesn't just tell us isolated stories that you can teach to your kids about, you know, David and Goliath and Daniel and the lion's den and things like that. Like those are fine when you're four, but it's more than just isolated stories. It's a, it's a compilation of all these stories that kind of tell this bigger, overarching story of God's plan of redeeming the world. It's more than just a set of rules. It's more than a religious text. It's more than just, here's all the details and all the facts about God. So, so we can see the Bible in a lot of different ways. And there are a lot of different people within Christianity who treat the Bible in, in a lot of different ways. They see it as a, a theology textbook or a, a religious uh, text or, or a set of rules or an instruction manual or, or a set of letters that don't mean anything to us today. And it's beyond all of those things, right? And so what I want to encourage us to do throughout this year is to, as we read the scriptures, is that our, our way of understanding the Bible would change. And that we would not just see, you know, three chapters a day as a burden or as this like really hard task, like it's homework. How many of you loved doing homework when you were a kid? I did because I'm a nerd. But homework is not something that you just love to do, right? We don't want to see the Bible like that. We want to see the scriptures as something that we have an affection for. that stirs up an even greater affection in our hearts for God. Something that, that communicates God's love to us something that reveals to us God's power. So what I want to show you is this today. This is the basis of what we're going to teach today in Luke 24, is that the Bible's main purpose is to reveal God's plan to redeem the world, to call us into the story of Jesus, and to teach us what God wants to do in our lives. And so I want us to go through Luke 24 and talk about how Jesus himself understood the scriptures how he used the scriptures to help some people to develop a better understanding of the plan of God, and how that can, can, can uh, be you know, translated to our lives today. How does God want to develop our understanding of scripture? How does God want to develop the purpose of scripture in our lives today? So in Luke 24, starting in verse 13, it says, That very day two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, 
Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their eyes. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Let's pray. Lord God, as we open up the scriptures this morning, I pray that you would open up our eyes, help us to see the word um, that you want to communicate to us today. I pray that you would develop our understanding, Lord, that as a church, as we commit ourselves to reading the scriptures, Lord, that you would bring it to life in our minds and in our hearts, Lord, that you help us to understand um, the, the, the truth of God and the story of redemption in the word of God, Lord. Please grow us, Lord, and teach us what we need to know. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we are post-resurrection of Jesus in this story. And, and so Jesus has already been arrested and tried and crucified and put in the tomb. And, and we have already gone past the story of, the, of Mary coming and, and not finding his body and the angel saying he's, he's resurrected as he promised, right? And so the rumors are being spread that Jesus is alive and there's amazement going on. But the people, that some of the disciples have gone to the tomb and they've not seen him. They don't know where his body is. And so some of them, these two here, one of them is named Cleopas, it says, they, they have left Jerusalem now, and they're traveling on the road to Emmaus. And they're probably, because of the, the Passover festival is over, they're probably headed back home. And, and so these are not two of the 12 famous disciples, all right? These are just two random disciples of Jesus who, who had believed in him along the way and had come to follow him and, and commit themselves to him. And, and they reveal, we had hoped that he was the one that was going to come and redeem Israel. All right? So they had put their belief in him as their Messiah. And now they're walking and they're, they're sad and they are confused and they're perplexed and they don't know what's happening. And so they're talking about all these things, Luke says. And they're walking along the road slowly and, and just having this conversation, this in-depth conversation about all that's happened in Jerusalem and how Jesus died. And, and what does that mean for us? And he was our, 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 our master and our savior and now he's dead. And they said he's alive and his body's gone and we're just so confused and, and we don't know what's happening. And it says that Jesus himself appeared to them. Not just in this vision, right? Not, he didn't just appear in front of them and say, hey, it's me. I'm right in front of you. But he just kind of casually walks up alongside of them. And for whatever reason, God blinds them in such a way that they don't recognize Jesus. They don't know that it's him who they're talking to, right? 
And so he, he kind of plays dumb here. He says, hey, what, what are you guys talking about? What are you so sad about? And they say, how are you the only person in the whole city of Jerusalem who does not know what's been happening all these past few days in the city? And what does Jesus say? What things? What are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. Tell me all about it. And so they go in all these details and they tell them about Jesus and how he, they had this hope in him and how he was going to be their, their Messiah. And they, they believed that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. And then he got, he got crucified and they buried him and the women couldn't find his body. And they said they were angels, but, but we don't know if that's true. And so they went on and on and on, expressing to Jesus, unbeknownst to themselves, their confusion about the whole matter. And all that this reveals to us is that these two disciples were extremely misguided in their understanding of God's plan, weren't they? They were looking at the reality that was in front of them, and of course they were confused, but they were failing to understand the bigger picture. And even though they were, they were, they were Jewish men and they had this relationship with the Torah and the Word of God and the prophets, they failed to understand all that the law and the prophets had, had, told, had foretold about the plan of salvation, about God's plan to redeem the world. So they were, they were misguided in their understanding. And they needed God to intervene and open up their eyes to give them a better way of understanding the scriptures and the story of God. They had grown up with the Word of God, right? As, as Jewish people, from, from childhood, they had been uh, indoctrinated with the Jewish scriptures. They, many of them would have had the many, many, much of the scripture memorized into their early adolescence and adulthood. And so they were extremely familiar with the law and the prophets. And yet, even though they had the scriptures and they had access to them and they, uh, they, they knew them by memory, they were still failing to see the connection between their, their scripture and the plan of God to redeem the world through Jesus. They were failing to make that connection. And God had to intervene to redeem their understanding and to develop them. And so that's what Jesus does. It says that after they explained to him and expressed their frustration and their anxiety and their confusion, Look at what Jesus says to them in verse 25. He says, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And so he calls them out. And I just wonder how they must have felt for this stranger to come up beside them and act clueless and say, what are you talking about? I don't know what's going on. And for them to, to relay all these feelings and for him to call them out and say, how can you be so foolish? Why don't you get it? How are you not able to see all that God has, has told you in the law and in the prophets? If it were me, I would have gotten defensive, right? Like, I know the Bible. I know what the Bible teaches. I, you don't have to call me out and make me feel stupid. But they were receptive to what this man wanted to show them. And so Luke says there in verse 27, that beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. That word interpreted in verse 27 also can mean expounded. Or in other words, in, in a loose translation, he stuck close to the scriptures. So he just went through their, their own scriptures and walked them through the stories and, and walked them through the, the Torah and walked them through the prophets and all the prophecies that were made and, and picked out all the prophecies and all the scriptures that foretold his arrival. That talked about his arrival and his death and his resurrection and God's plan to redeem the world. 
And so he's going from beginning to, from the beginning from, of the Torah all the way through the prophets, and he's picking out verses and saying, this one's about Jesus, and this one's about Jesus, and this one's about his death, and this one says it's about his burial, and this one's about his resurrection, and this one tells you all about God's plan to redeem the world. And he expounds the scripture to them for the rest of that journey down the road to Emmaus. And so what that tells us is, number one, sometimes you and I can also be misguided in our understanding of scripture, right? Sometimes we can be so familiar with the text or we're with, the, with the book that we miss what it's really saying, right? We think we know what's going on, but we miss out on what's really happening or what God is really trying to say to us. I've been a Christian since I was 10 or 11 years old. But even before that, when I was growing up as a Catholic, we always, the Bible was always a part of our lives. We went to Sunday school every single week. Right? So I knew the stories from childhood, and, and they always meant something to me. But, but as the years have gone by, God has, has developed even more deeply my understanding of the Scripture to show me that the way I understand it now is much different than the way I understood it when I was 10 years old. Not just that I know more or can remember more facts, but, that, but it's developed and matured my understanding. So when I was a kid and, and going to Bible Baptist Church in Wichita Falls, downtown Wichita Falls, our pastor and our Sunday school teachers were big on teaching the Bible stories. I've told you about my, our Beanie Babies, right? My Beanie Baby collection, it's all my prizes for my, my Bible memorization when I was a kid. And so the Bible and, and reading scripture and memorizing scripture was a huge part of the culture of our church. And, and so because of that, that became a huge part of the culture of, of my Christianity, and I can remember because I was so determined to get all the Beanie Babies and beat everyone in my Sunday school class that every week I'd go home with my new list of, of verses to memorize for the week. And I'd practice all the time and memorize and memorize and memorize. And we'd go to summer camp and it'd be there too. And while the kids are out playing basketball, I'm over here memorizing my Bible verse cards, right? And, and so, which is why I'm not very good at basketball today. That's why. Um, it was a huge part of the culture of our, of our life. As I got into high school, our youth pastor and our pastor encouraged us to, to read the Bible. And, and then also as we grew as Christians, they encouraged us to become teachers of the Bible. And so I remember my youth pastor coming to me once and saying, hey, why don't you teach next Wednesday night? And I remember looking at him saying, I can't do that. And him saying, you read the Bible, just go home, study it, get a lesson together, and I'm going to help you. And he did. And so that became just a natural habit in my life, right? But, but I can say that there were a lot of things that I thought I knew about the Bible or about God back then that ended up being wrong. I remember in Bible college my first year, and, and my youth pastor invited me to come back one weekend. And say, he said, hey, why don't you come back? You can teach Sunday school, and then the pastor will let you preach in church. And I said, that's awesome. I'll do that. And I thought I had it all together. I thought I understood the Bible, right? And looking back, I am so glad that nobody was paying attention to that, that, that message, because just about everything in it was theologically wrong, like huge, like huge wrong, right? Like I remember saying some things that were just completely, I don't even know where I came up with these things. And, and so I'm glad that over the years, God has developed my understanding because there've been a lot of times in my life when I was completely misguided about the scriptures and God had to intervene and open up my eyes and bring some good, solid Bible teachers into my life and teach me some new things. And there have been lots of seasons in my life where I've, I've known that God has, has led me into, into discovering more about certain themes or topics of Scripture. Right? So there was a summer a couple years ago where it's like God just kept stirring me up. 
to study things about hell and about the afterlife and heaven and, and, and developing the study and then about the rapture and the end times and then about the church and, and just different seasons of life where, where God has had to open up my eyes and, and teach me some new things. And that's what God wants to do. He sees when we are sometimes misguided, where we think we, we know it all because we've, we've had this book in our possession for years, but we've never really discovered all that God wants us to discover in this book. And so Jesus comes alongside of us and he says, let me, let me show you what I really want you to see in the scriptures. And he, he wants to walk us through that. But that only happens when we take this book off of our shelves and open it up and begin to become students of scripture. So, so a couple days ago, Harper and I were playing. She had, she had my Bible and I said, hey, let's read some verses together, Harper. And so I said, open up and just flip through the pages and point and I'm going to read that verse to you. All right. And just practice. Right. A lot of people try to operate by that principle, that same habit, that same behavior, where instead of becoming students of Scripture, you might just open it up. OK, I'm going to read Isaiah 34 today. See what God says to me about this. And then you read it and you're done. Right. But instead, I think God challenges us to, to, to start at the beginning and to start walking through it and let him show you the whole story and how it all fits together. Because point number two that I want to make is not only sometimes are we misguided, but number two, we often fail to see the big picture of Scripture. Because what was it that Jesus was trying to show them? He was trying to show them how so much of the Scripture, the law and the prophets pointed to who? To himself. And we fail to see that a lot. Where, where Jesus says that your, your book, your Scriptures, they're about me. They're telling the story of me, my arrival in the earth, my life, my, my, my desire to redeem mankind, my resurrection, the, God's plan to bring me back one day and make the world right again. So, so God wants us to understand that, that much of the scripture has to do with Jesus. And all of it is either, is either walking us towards Jesus or it's about Jesus or it's making us look back at Jesus. But he's the central figure. And we have to understand that. And so as we're going through this journey in the Bible, God wants us to understand that everything is supposed to connect us back to Jesus and back to the gospel. They're not just a bunch of isolated stories. Right? So my kids have these little Bible storybooks that we read sometimes at bedtime. And to them, they're just isolated stories. Like, okay, well, which one do you want to read tonight? Oh, let's go to Daniel and the lion's den. Or let's go to David and Goliath. Or let's go to, let's go to Jesus feeding the 5,000, right? And to them, they're just isolated stories, little Bible stories. But as, as people who have who've had the Bible and we have this knowledge, we have to understand that our understanding of Scripture has to develop far beyond that. They're not just little isolated Bible stories anymore. They're all a part of one overarching story. And the story is that God made a good and perfect world and he made mankind to be good and perfect and to walk with him in fellowship. And he put them in his perfect world. And he said, now walk with me forever. Be fruitful and multiply and enjoy all that I've created. And then sin came in and corrupted everything. And man and woman chose their own path. They chose their own definition of right and wrong. And they rebelled against God. And because of that, ever since then, God's mission is to restore mankind to being right with himself. God's mission is to take the world and make it good again, to take mankind and make them right again. And sin continues to spread. 
The darkness keeps spreading and wickedness keeps spreading and keeps corrupting mankind and evil keeps spreading all around the world. And yet God continues to intervene. And he stepped in in history and he came down to earth in physical form to initiate this plan to make the world right again. And one day he's going to come back. He's going to physically come back again and make it right again for good. That's the story. God made a good world. Mankind messed it up. God is working to redeem it and make it right again. And one day it's going to come full circle. It's going to come full circle with Jesus coming back and refining the earth and bringing heaven down to earth and making a home for his people. And then if you look in Revelation, guess what there's going to be again? A river and a garden and a tree of life. And we're going to be in that eternal city with Jesus and everything will be perfect forever and for good. That's the story of scripture. And everything from beginning to end and all in between, they all are a part of that big story. And so as we're going through scripture, to me, that makes it more interesting. It makes it more exciting. So even when I'm reading these most, the most random and obscure stories in the Old Testament, they don't seem boring to me because I know that they're a part of the overarching story. That should propel us. It should motivate us to become better students of the scripture when we understand that they all point to Jesus. So we need to invite God to correct us when we're misguided, to come alongside of us like Jesus did with his disciples, and to teach us the scriptures. And we need to ask God to help us to understand how all of it points to Jesus. And so my last three points, these are just my application points. What do we do with all this today? As we leave here this morning, we take all this into consideration. What does God want us to do? I think, number one, value the Bible as a treasure. It's more than an instruction manual. It's more than a storybook. It's more than just a, a thing that you put on your shelf after you go to church on Sunday. God wants us to treasure this thing. Right? We have, I have Bibles all over my house. Okay, A Bible for every chair, almost. We as Americans have access, unlimited access to this. If you have a dollar, you can buy a Bible. Okay, there are people and I hate it feels like this is an easy, easy argument to make or an easy illustration. There are people in other parts of the world who don't have access to this. It's kind of like whenever you're a kid and you won't eat your dinner and your parents say there are starving kids in China. You've got to eat your dinner. Right. The same principle. There are people in other parts of the world who would kill, who would not kill. They wouldn't do that. Who would give up their life for someone to have access to this. Right. Who would give up everything they own to have access to one of these in their language. And we have a dozen of them. And so let's not take that for granted. Let's value this as a treasure. This is God's way of communicating his truth to us. And if nothing else, this year, I want to build that up in our church as part of the culture of our church. So here, we love the scriptures and we are students of the word of God and we treasure this book. Number two, not only do we want to let Jesus be, make sure that we are aware of how he is the central figure of the whole story of the Bible, we want to let him be the center of our story also. So that our whole story, the story of our lives, center on Jesus and what he did for us. That who I am today is because Jesus saved me. And I'm either looking back on what he did for me, or I'm looking at what he's doing for me right now, or I'm looking at the promises he's made for me for the future. And all, every, every part of my story centers on Jesus. And then number three, connect everything in Scripture back to Christ. That will help number one. 
Once you're connecting everything back to Christ, it helps build up that, that value of the scripture as a treasure in your life. Because Jesus is our ultimate treasure. And why wouldn't we want to treasure a book that tells us all about him, right? Let me pray for us as we stand. We're going to close with a song this morning. Father, I thank you so much for this journey that we're on, Lord. I know that it's challenging. I know that there are so many other things that we could do with our time every day, Lord. I know that it's hard to devote 20 or 30 minutes or an hour to reading the Bible. But Lord, I pray with all my heart that among the people here in this church that you would develop in them a commitment and a desire that there would be a desire and a hunger for the Word of God so that it would, it would drive them to open up that Bible every day and read a few chapters and discover more of the story, God. And Lord, as we continue in this journey, I pray that we won't just learn the verses and learn the stories, but that we'll learn the meaning and, and what you want to show us through all those, Lord. That you would shape us as Christians and shape us as a church, God. We commit all this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.